for joining us once again amongst the stars as we <laughs> go into the second half of Battle Wars Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah. So good it took two episodes. Yeah, absolutely. This thing is jam-packed, yeah. We, we, we dilly-dallied a little bit. Yeah. I think we should dilly-dally a little yeah. bit before we get back into the meat of this thing. Uh, we've been enjoying, actually, answering questions here and there. We had a few more sent in uh, during the course of our last recording. So. Yeah. So this is this is a fun one. I th- we may have answered this before, hey, but you asshole. know what? What's your name? Oh, I'm this. I'm Matt. Sorry. Hey, you know, <laughs> first time listeners, they don't oh, know. Come on, they man. don't understand. They'll figure it out. Yeah, anyway, man. we're the guys that run Inspire Pro, and we're yeah. about to address some. Questions. If you jumped in at this episode, <laughs> come on, man. Hey, people are fucking dumb. Fucking you know? Vinny. You know there are a lot of fucking stupid motherfuckers uh, who watch Fire Walk with me before they watch the fucking TV show. You know that, right? People do that shit all the time. It's kind of like you know there there's a there is a horrible breed of human being that will when they're watching the Star Wars movie start with Episode One. You know how fucking stupid that is. Uh, there are people out there that don't get it. Anyway, yeah, if you're listening, you're, you're jumping in right now. Go back. <laughs> Go back to the end of the line. Seriously. Okay, questions. Questions. So, questions. Here's the first one for any first time listeners out there. <laughs> uh, this one's a little bit more nuts and bolts. How many matches do you think should be on a show? Is there a good ratio, a rule of thumb for balance, the number of singles matches versus tag matches versus multi mans? Um, my answer is all singles matches, uh, five of them. <laughs> No, no. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That's my dream budget yeah, match. All these, all these, that's my dream budget card. All these fucking patootsies putting shows together with six matches. I don't get how you do that. So here's yeah. what here's what you do. You got four wrestlers, right? So wrestler A wrestles wrestler B. Oh, my God. Then wrestler C wrestles wrestler D. Then you come back with a tag match, right? Then you take those four people and a student and have a battle royal. Boom, there's your show. <laughs> No. He's joking. <laughs> no. You can't tell because this is what people do. But no, yeah. he is joking. Uh, I I personally like eight matches. I think it's a sweet spot. I also think that people who are accustomed to TV uh, TV type company pay-per-views, I think they expect a little bit more than just six matches. But also, one of the reasons why our shows always typically ran so long is that if I'm paying out the ass for a building, I've got to make sure that the doors are open long enough to get people in and pay me money for tickets. But beyond that, almost every place that you run has a concession stand or a bar. And you know what? The longer you run, the more people spend there and the happier the venue is. A lot of people don't get that. A lot of people, a lot of the wrestlers on the cards like, oh, this show's too long. Oh, are we there yet? And it's just, it's so obnoxious because they're not, they're thinking of the business, but not necessarily business. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think eight matches. Uh, I personally, I perform prefer more singles but you you have to have some multi-mans from here to there there's times where it's just called for um yeah i mean that kind of gets to kind of our differences in creative but yeah for the most part um i i like a good example is i like the the wrestle kingdom cards right mm-hmm. where the the very important stuff is one-on-one it, the pageantry and it's built up and then on the underneath, you have kind of some more multi-mans and some, some uh, you know, three-way tags and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. So the next question ev- involves uh, the tweener, right? Which is, um, which is something, a term that we use creatively, mm-hmm. you know? Um, okay, 
I think y'all covered this a little bit in an earlier episode, but I'd like to hear more about how you and Biss, this is directed to you, uh, each feel about the tweener alignment. Uh, I just did the quotation marks for the, those of you that can't see because this is audio. I think I think one of the things that makes people adverse to uh, doing work as tweeners is because the name sounds fucking stupid. Yeah. It's kind of like how people are adverse to uh, the phrase gun control. You know, yeah. no one wants to be controlled, but tweener just sounds stupid and kind of fey. Yeah. Um, but I think Biss has, I, I remember when Ricky got real fucking mad at us about yeah. kind of saying he was a Shades of Grey character. We looked at it like that great shift that CM Punk had from face to, to, to heel, where there was obviously an evolution. Or even, I think the last good feud in the WWE or good program was when... Uh, HBK and Chris Jericho had that issue where Chris starts out as a very righteous face, kind of calling Shawn Michaels out for using subterfuge to beat Batista. And he goes, you're great. You shouldn't have to resort to these tactics. And then Shawn attacks him. And the thing is, is that Chris from there evolves into a heel. There's a, there's very much a, a period where he goes from being very face aligned to being really confused and he's got a lot of chaos going on inside of himself emotionally and then he switches and he turns he turns heel he becomes the heel because he he starts employing really dastardly tactics to to attack Sean who's quite frankly the dickhead in this situation even though he, people are cheering him you know usually usually the case with Sean yeah i mean you yeah. and there's also like the dynamic of how an audience receives something i think a lot of the time you really have to be fluid with how a, a character works, you know. Ricky, Ricky was not just a guy that could ever just be accepted as a heel because people laughed at him. He was funny. Yeah. He never went out there and didn't act funny, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have. Uh, there's multiple things that that kind of evolve in this. Do I believe in a tweener uh, directly? Like the the dictionary definition of it. Probably the answer is no. Um, I prefer kind of the lucha approach to it right you have rudos that don't follow the rules and you have technicos that follow them to a t but within that structure you have rudos that are cheered and loved and you have rudos that are hated you have technicos that are cheered and loved and then you have technicos that people fucking boo and hate and it's usually because they're just not very good wrestlers to me i prefer not to use the phrase tweener but rather Mm anti-hero i think i think when you look at a lot of 70s cinema Particularly in the action vein, of course, yeah. uh, you have these characters who are pretty rogue. I think I think that you can be a good bu- good guy, but be kind of rogue. I think uh, Steve-O is a good example of a character that was very much an anti-hero for a while, but he always kind of bounces back into being a face. Yeah. He's currently, you know, when last we saw him was a heel, but yeah. he was a kind of righteous heel. Yeah, and something that um, I really enjoy that we do, um, we. Both of us have an issue with when somebody turns, they just completely change who they are. Mm-hmm. They change their actions just because now I'm a bad guy. I now I'm that. part of the fucking, um, you know, uh, what the fuck's the uh, DC version that everyone, the Legion of Doom. Mm-hmm. Like now I, I'm, you know, like there still has to be an acknowledgement of history. Yeah. Because one of the things that I've always hated about, you know, WWE is one guy, one guy can turn 
can turn good and all of a sudden he's fucking high fiving with John Cena even yeah. though like six months ago he was like yeah. beating on they his were in ass a with a blood chair. feud right yeah it's like yeah. that's not the way that that's not the way that real life works and that's one of the things that I think that we've always done that's great I remember at some point and yeah, we'll get to it but uh, you know when we had a an alignment shift for Dalton and Steve-O who as a character had issues with Dalton yeah. kind of emerges and goes. I don't care if people are cheering for you now. I'm not going to forget about the crap that you did like last year, yeah. which is something, again, I've never seen anybody do. And so yeah. that's why we did it. A lot of the things that conceptually we tackle or we kind of put in there, the wrinkles that we add <clears throat> are based, based on things that we saw and went, what the fuck is that? So yeah, we <laughs> that's, that's what we do. But yeah, I mean, I, I believe in the dynamic of, of, you know, kind of a, a middleman, someone who's kind of, in the middle of the road, not quite good, not quite bad, can fall on either side of the fence at any point, you know? It's And, and also just the idea of the tweeners, sometimes it's about a journey. Characters don't just, characters don't just snap sometimes. They, yeah. they build up to that breaking point. You yeah. Know? And yeah, you, you have to go along on the journey. Okay, here's a silly one, and we'll throw it out there, and then we'll jump into the card. Sure. Uh, favorite French fry? F- favorite French fry? Yeah, what's your favorite... French fry, what what uh, fast food joint, I or think, what or, you know, um, restaurant, anything. You know what? I would say, I like I like the uh, I like the shoestring. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like the shoestring, but I like the crinkle cut. I do not like the waffle fry. I'm big fan. I'm a big fan of the waffle fry. Okay, I don't I, yeah. I don't think that they ever fry well. Uh, that could be understandable. This is a fucking stupid question. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I go just classic McDonald's, you know. Um, okay, I, I got another question. Uh, has anybody? So we've partnered with people like the NWA, which did not did not go well. <laughs> and we've had uh, partnerships. We we worked with GCW a little bit. We worked with Chikara. Uh, are there any partnerships or collaborations that have been put on the table that uh, we haven't really discussed or that we just looked at and said, "Fuck no." Fuck yes, there is. <laughs> Lay it on me. CZW, baby. <laughs> do you remember this one? Yes, I do, actually. But very limitedly. Yeah, you it's, dealt with it. It's around this time, yeah. So, DJ motherfucking Hyde. So, um, there were two people, and I'm just going to put Masada out there because he was the main one. Um, it was WrestleMania 2015 in Dallas, and uh, I was up there, and... DJ Hyde wanted to do a co-promoted show with us for CZW. So I go up, to, I, I go up there, I'm working third shift. So like my sleep's good. I'm all fucked up. I go up there and I go to the CZW show. Masada's like, Hey, come to the show. I want you to meet DJ. Like, let's fucking do this thing. I'm like, I don't fucking, I, I, I have little interest in this. So I'm like, okay, um, I'll go figure out the details and then we'll figure out if this is worth a damn or not. So we go up there and fucking Brig introduces me to DJ. Um, he immediately shits all over Andy Dalton, who is like, at this time, one of our main fucking wrestlers. Wow, right? I hadn't actually heard Yes. That. Why did he shit on Andy? So, you know, Andy was in the like local match. But he's just like, yeah, I can't believe that they fucking convinced me to put Andy fucking Dalton on this card. And I'm like, well, yeah, this is probably not going to fucking work out at all. Right. So, right. And I'm like, well, um, actually, he's done really well for us. I think you'll be all right, man. 
And, you know, because I'm trying to be fucking political, but and I'm know, like, and knowing Andy, look at this fucking douche. No, knowing Andy, he probably went out there and killed himself that oh, night. Oh, yeah, he absolutely did. And I felt horrible because, you know, Andy was in the ring as this comment was made. And yeah. you could tell this guy wasn't even fucking paying attention. You know, and Andy's out there. Yeah. Going. It's Andy and Chris Marvel, who Chris Marvel shows up and and doesn't want to do fucking anything. So it's yeah, even, yeah. even harder I mean, on if fucking If you're going to be bummed out about anybody having to be foisted on you, it's fucking Marvel, yeah. in my opinion. So that's where this starts, right? Then he's like, you know, I kind of make that comment. And he's like, well, I'm trying to run a fucking show here, man. Um, it'd be a lot better if I could just meet up with you later. Bear in mind that he's just sitting in the corner. You know, like, it's... I run a fucking show. I know when stuff's chaotic, but I'm, what a, I'm, what a dickhead. I'm getting the point, right? I'm like, yeah, man. Um, he's like, when do you leave, man? Maybe we can have lunch. I'm like, yeah, I'm leaving Sunday morning. He's like, cool. Let's have lunch Tuesday. I'm like, yeah, cool. All right. Is that, is that, was that his, 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 <laughs> was that his Mongo way of saying fuck off? I, I don't know. I don't know if he just wasn't listening. Cause DJ's known for just being this fucking, for God knows what fucking reason, this egotistical fucking monster, right? Um, so anyway, I go sit I go sit in the crowd and I watch the rest of this horrible fucking CZW show. <laughs> like, they find a way to have a scramble match with Ricochet, fucking, uh, I think it was Trey Lamar, Joey Janela, um, AR Fox, uh, Strange Strickland, that is fucking boring and chaotic and stupid somehow they put those fucking people in a ring and like it sucks um so i sit down and i talk to dallas texas hardcore legend you rogue and i hang out i'm kind of watching the show with him and alley cat this is a cool little story alley cat and laney luck come up and introduce me to a uh, young female wrestler from california who gives me her business card named thunder rosa so that's where we actually met Thunder Rosa. So the CZW show wasn't a complete fucking disaster because at least we got that connection. Um, God bless Thunder D- Rosa. DJ never fucking... I, I never... The, the idea was that we would pay to bring a CZW show down here, which we had nah. no fucking interest in no whatsoever. He obviously didn't want to work with uh, any of our guys. Um, you know, and we've run into that with other companies and had to go no that's not what we fucking do down here you know people who think that you're just gonna fucking mark for them based on their own shit it's like (sighs) that being said if you're interested in purchasing a inspire pro show please contact no yeah yeah. no i don't i don't think that's something that we would do honestly No, because it's fucking disgraceful when people come to our market thinking that they're just gonna run shit and they're just gonna like they're gonna like fucking climb into our bed and pork our wife and they're just stewing in our warm spot it's like it's so goddamn insulting. Yeah. You know, you, if you're gonna, if you want to come down and you want to party with us and have us help you, that's wonderful. Chikara yeah. did it the right way. Yeah. You know? And, and that's, you know, it's appropriate that it's the show, but um, Chikara was really Bryce Rensburg. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it, respectful and yeah. nice and kind. And you know what? Awesome. I don't think anybody has a bad word to say about that guy. Nope. <clears throat> anyway. So let's dive back into when it's done appropriately and properly. Okay. Anyway, I have one one last question, and I don't know if you're gonna. You, I want you to be honest, Biss. Dig deep into your your uh, your shell, your carcass, oh. um, and answer. So, uh, young uh, young Trini Watford, longtime listener, has asked us. Um, 
Other than the Paige Turner storyline, is there another story that you regret doing in the company? Other than Mr. Sistine? You really regret <laughs> no, it? No, you don't I, don't regre- I don't regret it. I, it wasn't my cup of tea. Honestly, I think if if we had used someone else and it yeah. and it and it had run it, it had course, gro- it would have grown it would have grown yeah. but like because it just kind of like died prematurely i think it sticks out to you but i don't yeah. think it was bad because even you were fucking laughing at a lot, a lot of the shit that was going on i'm trying to think something if um, you're laughing i i i win you know? <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like Damon Wayans talked hey, about. Okay, you, hold on, hold on. Damon Wayans once talked about how one time one of his kids super glued his tiny daughter to the to the fucking toilet seat, and that she was stuck to the toilet seat and screaming. And Damon said uh, he had a rule in his house, which was if it's funny, you don't get in trouble. And I think a lot of that shit applies to the stuff that I do. <laughs> you can sit there and say you hate it, but if I see you if I see you fucking walking away, shaking your head, laughing your ass off, I win. Yeah. Okay. But admittedly, you, you know I have poor taste, so. That's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was, I was kind of hoping I'd win that one at least. Yeah, you like, still, I, you still, yeah, you still laugh at all my jokes, though. Yeah. Um, I really, you know, there's there's people we use that, I, you know, Kyle Hawk comes into mind. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's situations. You know, most of what Kyle Hawk touched for us was not great. I don't think we've had an angle that I wasn't happy with. Yeah. Because I think almost any ship can be righted. Yeah. You you make mistakes regarding who you use sometimes or things don't. I think, honestly, there was only one time where something really went bad. But the idea wasn't bad. It was just the execution. There are a myriad of ways that things can succeed, but also a ton of ways that they can go wrong, too. You know? Yeah. There's things that. There's things that didn't work out, but I know the whole picture, you know? Yeah. And so people that don't know the whole picture could maybe look at those, but I understand that it had to be ABC because there was no way to go CBA, mm-hmm. you know? That's my, uh, that's my answer to that. I, nothing pops off. Nothing was as embarrassing as as that page and bookmarks thing became yeah um let's let's okay so we've answered some questions let's let's jump back into uh the battle wars 2 show and uh, this first uh, this match that we're, we're, we're going into right now is is it was a big one for us it it really it felt like a landmark match to me uh, and it is the San Dimas street fight, which we had built up to for a long time. The match between Delilah Doom and Angela Slane. And I think this is Doom really coming into her own. Yeah. Um, she delivers something here that we've not yet seen from her. Um, I also want to say that I think Doom is someone that should be on television right now. Um, I think I think if Doom in the package that she was in here at this point in time was on television today she would be wildly popular um things have kind of she's kind of retooled and re-geared herself uh due to i think some some maybe poor guidance and that's probably not popular to say but yeah. uh if you if you had not seen delilah at this point what she was doing was an 80s throwback gimmick it was very bubbly a lot of talk about going to the mall uh she had a <clears throat> She called her fans Doomies. Uh, Doomies Never Say Die was a battle cry, of course, playing off the Goonies. There was like a lot of 80s nostalgia here. She also uh, channeled her spirit animal, uh, Richard Simmons, 
she was just really fun and really colorful. And um, I know that there were some people that dissuaded her from from this direction uh, as a character, but this character was hugely, hugely over, and uh, I I miss it in a lot of ways. Um, as uh, but then you know, what do I know anyway? Yeah. I just I'm just the guy that that likes wrestling. Um, then we have Angelus Lane. Let's talk yeah. about Angelus a bit. Yeah. So this is really you know Angelus's work at this point in the company is really to get to this moment and you know to get Doom over. Um, it's kind of it kind of harkens back like to something. I was watching last night and I'm just going to say it. It's the Eddie Kingston main event uh, for AEW. Right. Mm -hmm. And there was this cool groundswell of like indie workers that were like behind Eddie. And I'm going to take a little journey here, but I'm going to, I'm going to get to the point real quick. You know, that they like that I'm rooting for Eddie tonight. Right. But Eddie last night um, against John Moxley, the moment was not, Eddie winning the title. The moment was Eddie doing his job and putting John Moxley over and the work that he had done to get himself in that position, that that was the achievement. So for Angelus, it was the same way she had built herself. We, she had built with us herself into this monster and the triumphant moment for Angelus, not story-wise, but behind the scenes and as a professional wrestler was to get into this match to deliver to give doom a rub make her look like an even bigger star and to put her over and she did it there's there there are some there are some really incredible creative moments and character moments in this uh that made me really really love it um leading up to this match of course angelus had been a bully she's been terroristic and there's always some trepidation on Doom's part in terms of how she handles herself with Angelus. Uh, there's a little fear um, to push herself out of this kind of bubbly cartoon character. And there is this great moment where uh, Angelus is on a table yep. outside of the ring and Doom ascends to the top rope and she's just got this this angry face. You know, her face is just wrenched and with emotion. And she screams, I'm not afraid of you anymore. Yep. And she jumps off the top rope. And it's a great spot. Um, and But it's just that moment where Doom overcomes this, uh, this, this, this feeling of fear that she is, you know, she's, she's kept in line by. Yeah. And uh, I think that not only is this a great moment, but we see how it affects her character going forward. A lot of the time in women's wrestling specifically, I feel, you see women do things or overcome things and once they do they just kind of go back to the same pattern and have to prove it again and again and again yeah and i think we kind of ran with this and, and did some good stuff with it um this is probably the only uh positive piece of shrapnel from stroud's run but a lot of this really depended on other creative calls that he had no say in yeah. um but this was this, this- this was the girls, yeah. you know, this was the girls and some yeah. guidance. And I remember after, after this match, uh, going back to check on them because that table spot scared me. A little, mm-hmm. you know? Let's right. talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the finish, there's a table spot to the outside. There's multiple table spots. There's tons of weapons. It was a very physical match, 
but Angelus comes off the top turnbuckle. I think it was a Hurricane Rana yeah. type type move. Um and hits the table and the, the table I'm not gonna say it was gimmicked, but it was it was a lighter table. Mm-hmm. And it she hits and it just splits and she goes straight to the floor. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I was terrified. Yeah. I think we all were. Um and I mean it's this amazing visual. It really helps to finish the match, but we were all extremely worried about her her health. Angelus was okay though when we got yeah. back there. Um I think they were running high on adrenaline and I'm sure that, that Heather felt it the next day. Yeah. Uh but but when we went back there was a there was a moment um where they were just holding each other crying and thanking each other. Yeah. And it was like one of those moments where we felt like these girls had done something between each other that they were really really proud of and i couldn't have been more proud of them uh i thought that this was a phenomenal match and it was something that a lot of other people in the crowd it was something that people really latched on to yeah. i think it really kind of catapulted doom from being sort of this fun bubbly character to uh a, a, a badass yeah. too you know she could she could be fun but but she could also kick ass yeah you know? she had she had that edge to her now it, it definitely elevated her character and this is a just an example of creatively how a match can really help somebody grow in terms of the audience's perception of who they are. And this was cinema. Yeah. And the, the the cool thing is, yes, it elevated Doom, but it also made Angela's almost a cult hero. Oh, yeah. So that any time we, we brought her back, it was a huge pop. It was Especially if we could make it a surprise. Uh, because of the way her travel always fucking was. <laughs> we were never quite sure until she showed up. You could create moments with Angelus. H- huge moments. Because um, now she was established. There was vo- vo- very much a moment where after the finish, you know, everything kind of popped. I think Angelus even got uh, cheers when she got up. Yeah. Like the crowd was cheering for her, but everybody was happy that Doom had won. Yeah. Nevertheless, when Angelus got up because she had really tested her metal and had really, you know, had really put on this this motherfucker match, people were also like, "Both of you guys, phenomenal." Yeah, and that's the cool thing about Austin, I think. Yeah, but it also kind of brought the girls together too in a weird way. Yeah, they both kind of, um, they both kind of came back together. I will say that there was a point in time I, I got to go into this uh, where there was definitely a design to bring Angelus and Doom together as a team. Yeah. Leading into Tag Cade, we were going to kind of go full throttle into doing a lot of really cool tag shit. And down the road, uh, we had booked... Because like I said, a lot of our angles, we're like a year out. We know what we're doing a year from now, you know? We really wanted to do kind of a surprise angle where Doom and Angelus kind of come together and really rule the division. Yeah. Um, and uh, unfortunately, that just that didn't happen for a number of reasons. But... Um, this was a great piece of history that we built on and continued to utilize and reference for many, many years. So up next was Matthew Palmer and Chuck Taylor. This was a dream match for me. Yeah. So I re- the thing that I remember most about this is... Um, Matt, I'm going to say this. Matt, yeah. Matt was kind of a bitch going into <laughs> this match. Um, Matt is Matt is funny, man. He complains and he kvetches and he bemoans shit, but then when he's in the moment, man, does he fucking deliver? He just, yeah. you, you know, he's just one of these guys. He's like, oh, it's just, you know, he's this guy at this point who was going like, he he switched gears a lot on us. First he would want <laughs> he'd want a title run, and then he'd go, no, no, I don't want no no belt. And then 
And then he would, uh, and then he would say, "I just want to work these names, brother." And then you'd give him a name, and he'd go, "Uh, I don't want to do that." Yeah. Then he would just go, "I just want to have good matches." And then you'd give him good matches, and then he'd shift back to some other fucking <laughs> motivating force in his life. I just think he has too many people in his ear. Yeah. But no matter what he did, no matter what he turned in, it was always gold. Like yeah. to me, he is one of the most important people in our history. I think that he had had some bad experiences with quote unquote names, right? Go like very close to this match. And I remember he, he came with all these ideas. He had a lot of ideas this day. And I remember him being like, ah, he doesn't want to do anything. Right. Who Chuck? Yeah. He's like, ah, he doesn't want to do anything. But then when they had the match, like (laughs) they did a ton of shit, but it, it had room to breathe. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and he, I, I think he ended up really enjoying this match, at least um, as much as as he's let me know. What so, was what was the song that 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 they that plays? Because um, there's, oh, there's a moment yeah. where Chuck does Chuck it, does he throws the grenade. He has the grenade, yes. the, the famous in, uh, invisible uh, grenade spot where Chuck throws the grenade into the crowd, and mm-hmm. the crowd scatters, <laughs> which is great. And Matt slow mo. I think it was maybe the Baywatch theme. Was it? Yeah, I, don't know. I, I don't know. I don't remember. But but uh, it's, it's, it was something similar and dynamic. Yeah. But Matt runs slow motion out of the ring and through the crowd and slow motion jumps on the grenade <laughs> and shells the grenade uh-huh. and saves the people, quote unquote, saves the people in the crowd. And it was just one of those amazing moments where I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. This match was everything that I wanted it to be. I was yeah. very, very happy. Yeah, two two extremely extremely talented guys. Um, you know, Chuck Taylor's obviously on national TV. Um, I think if if Palmer's body holds up a little bit differently, and he gets a few bounces go for him, he's right there on national TV as well. He, is, he, he, he might is, disagree with that, but I mean, he's right there. It's he, he a few bounces be, of the ball. He deserves to be seen by a much larger audience. Yeah. I will never not say that. Yeah. Um, anyway. Moving from that to a really interesting three-way match. That Read we, this fucking list. Read these fucking names. Yeah, this is crazy, man. Um, oh, my first, God. So this is a through, three-way match, and a lot of the time when people hear that this happened, people are people kind of go, what? Yes. Um, and this is a match where Keith Lee... <laughs> the pure prestige champion. Yeah, Keith Lee... Def- defends his title in a three-way match against Andy Dalton and Orange motherfucking Cassidy. <laughs> and the idea of Keith and Orange is so, so monumentally fun. It so, just made me giddy. I really, I yeah. was dying to see this. And this is another one of those, those those things that, like, I kind of put, I put this together on the card. And I said, I want this. Yeah. I think uh, Franco was supposed to be in this at one point as well, right? But yeah. he got a... Uh, Things were not working out. He got an injury or something. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fucking, uh, you know, raw superstar Keith Lee and <laughs> AEW fucking phenomena, Orange Cassidy in this. It's just wild. I'm going to go. We're going to get through this and then I'm going to read through who's where at this point. It's fucking amazing. Um, yeah. Like the. And they go balls to the fucking wall. It's amazing. Yeah. Andy Andy is what he is in this match. He's like a piece of furniture that just <laughs> gets thrown around and broken and busted yeah. up. And then it just kind of comes down to Orange and Keith. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Keith being more dynamic and offensive and Orange just kind of being this wet noodle and just kind of laying down a lot and falling asleep just... 
it's a lot of weird fun. Um, but yeah, this it's crazy to think that this actually happened, and I'm very proud to have hosted this match, especially when you look at where these guys went on. Yeah. Um, up next is you know Athena's last match with uh, with us, and I think in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, now. I remember I caught some flack for this because Jessica and Athena had wrestled each other like 200 fucking times, right? Mm-hmm. Some some ungodly number when you add it all up. But to me, that just made sense to be the last, you know. They had they had such a history with each other. Um, it just made sense to me that if that was going to be the last match, it should be those two, you know, just because they were so interwound yeah. in their careers. Um, but Jessica James uh, picks up the win, and we're able to give Athena this farewell. She's going off to the performance center at this point. Yeah. Any, anything else to add there? Um. This was 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 this were there any title implications or like? A, yeah, I think it was like a number one contender, contender probably. Yeah. Yeah, but. yeah, I think this this show this show I, I I looked at very heavily as fixing all the things that had been fucked up previously. Mm-hmm. So we we kind of we kind of start to move toward where I want Ricky to be and creating a moment where um we really did no matter what he might think or anybody else might think, we won a lot of people back for him with a promo that we did yeah. in that first half. And of course, this sets up uh uh Jessica and Veda at Tag Cave. Yeah. So this is important too, but this was an incredibly emotional uh moment in my memory uh i remember the crowd being aware that she was going away yeah and you know you always kind of go out on your back and um there were definitely tears oh yeah i remember there being tears but we we knew that athena was moving on to bigger and better things we were all very excited with her and there was certainly a tremendous amount of honor and hosting uh, her last match in Texas, I believe, um, on the Indies. But yeah, it was it was melancholy but joyous, and they put on a as as to be expected a phenomenal match. Yeah. Up up next, this was another match where uh, Ricky was not super high on it when it was announced. Right, this is Ricky Starks and Holloway. They fucking killed it. It was so. amazing. It's a it's an amazing so. fucking match. But the idea of Holloway and Ricky Starks together is is a fucking great. Um, yeah. Holloway was one of those people that people really wanted on the card, and yeah, Ricky was just ugh about it. And this is of course really important because this is like a this is a Ricky holding the Inspire Pro Championship. Versus Hollow Wicked, who was the Chikara Championship, yeah. you know, champion, uh, the champion at the time. Yeah, the grand it. champion. He was the grand champion. And uh, so this was kind of following in the tradition where we had previously done Andy Dalton and Icarus. Yep. And, and of course, in that match, you know, people come to your town and you're like, yeah, we're not going to bury your belt. You yeah. Know? And as we said, this match was just insane. I think there were moments where it was like, we were all standing together, like the brass was standing together in the back watching this going, oh my God, Yeah, this is so good. We didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Yeah, I expected it to be good, though, because it just, yeah, what but, Ricky was watching and studying at the time was easy for him to mold to this. Yeah. I just think that he saw it as, as uh, Chikara and that it was going to be something different. But Hollow Wicked is really one of the more underrated wrestlers out there yeah even today but and this is this was a massive like 
moment that probably made me almost feel like I, I think I almost cried when this was yeah. pitched, but uh, I believe it was uh, handed down from Mike. He said it was cool if Ricky went over yeah. uh, Hallow Wicked and our champion going over their champion was to me a monumental show of respect to us. Yeah. And it wasn't something that we anticipated or asked for, but the fact that it happened was, I, I, put, I, I see that as a crown jewel yeah. in, in our little crown. Of course, it's it's a it was a massive moment for us. I don't think people necessarily even understand how big a deal it was. Yeah, but it was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, and then the main event. So we had such success with tag team wrestling on these shows that, um, to to me at least, I, you know, it felt at this point this was going to kind of become a tradition. Um, so it was really cool for me for this to be the main event because to me this kind of had the, had the potential to be like sort of like the WrestleMania weekend Dragon Gate trios type thing. Yeah. That, in my mind, that was kind of what I was seeing growing we, here. We also really knew that the fans connected with Dasher yeah. and people were excited about Mr. Touchdown. And the and Steve, Steve-O was monumentally over at this point. Yeah. And then, of course, we had Davey Vega, Sammy Guevara, <laughs> and Tim Storm, right? These guys who uh, who... Fuck. I mean, yeah. they were going to deliver. And that's the thing. We knew that this was going to be a crazy dynamic match. And for me, that was that was your obvious closer. Yeah. You put on you put on the thing that's going to really melt faces and send home send people home talking about it, you know? And and that's what this match provided. Delivered in spades, man. What's really cool is this team of Dasher, Mr. Touchdown and Steve has been built since the last Battle Wars. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we had our eyes on this and it, we got to it and we had the perfect foil and um, chef's kiss, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And of oh. course, like the chemistry between Sammy, Davey and Tim was just bizarrely good. Yeah. And this was, this was also building toward um, the, the, the tag team of, of uh, Vega and Tim, which yeah. I remember people roundly initially shitting on. Did, I remember Andy saying, this is a fucking stupid team. And me going, no, man, they cover all the fields and they've got great chemistry together. They're fucking hilarious together. When you saw them kind of flanking Andy and them talking and working off of each other, it was really clear that they were friends. I mean, you'd see Dave, Davey and Tim kind of sitting back in the corner talking to each other extensively. And there was, there was, it was very clear that they they were fond of one another uh, uh, on a deeper level. You know, like they were friend, they were friendly. They weren't just t- tag team, put on paper. You know, but they were, they were, they were kind of becoming pals behind the scenes. Yeah. Um. And there were times where they actually spoke for one another. And if Davy was uncomfortable with something, Tim would come to me and go, "Hey, Davy feels this way." Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was kind of cute. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this match was amazing, and just looking at. You look back. You go over this card. So let's 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 go back to the top of the card and look at where a lot of these folks are now. <laughs> it's um, insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. So you look at the opening match. You have Fire Ant. Well, we don't even have to cover that one, but that one's huge. Yeah. Uh, Jojo Bravo is still in Texas, but at this point, one of the more esteemed um, trainers around. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to pad this too much because no. Let's the, just go. Yeah. Let's let's like zero in. You so know? you've got Chuck Taylor who's on AEW, right? Signed on TV. You have Keith Lee who is on Raw. You have Orange Cassidy who is on AEW and is one of their biggest stars. 
you have Athena who is in um, back in NXT, had a run on Raw, had a run on SmackDown, been on national TV pay-per-views, Ember Moon. You have Ricky Starks who is on um, AEW week in and week out. Growing, growing in popularity too. Yep. I think he's becoming a huge favorite. You have, you know, I'm going to throw Davey Vega in there too with the, the besties in the world or competing on some of the upper indies. Uh, as a tag team, you have Sammy Guevara, who's on AEW, and you have Tim Storm, who is the NWA national champion, um, has been on pay-per-views and has headlined shows for them. This is really Fucking a amazing. top caliber show yeah. for what people paid to see, if you really think about it. But, um, yeah, man, remarkable show. Um, and uh, one that one that I think is it, roundly stands as one of our finest hours, so to speak. Um, so after this event, we were preparing for Tagcade. Um, I'm not going to talk about Tagcade a lot. We're going to save that for the next show, but I wanted to talk about preparing for this, uh, for this moment. Um, do you want to get into just kind of the idea behind it? Yeah, sure. Um, we were going to do, so we had... We had title belts that we had we we had commissioned. <laughs> yeah. Um, and even at this point, we were nervous about them actually showing up on time, and we were right to 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 be nervous. Yeah. Um, that might have actually been the last the last thing that we. That were was doing. the last business we ever did with yeah. with Justin. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you 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 pitched you pitched the concept. Yeah. So I mean, the idea we love tag team wrestling. Um. It was kind of, we had talked about doing the trios tournament. Um, it's just, it became obvious to us how hard it was to keep these these trios together. Tag teams were even hard to keep together at this point. Um, so the idea was a tag team tournament to crown our first tag team. I mean, it sounds super simple there, but it, it was something, if you go back in the history of, of Texas independent wrestling, even back in like 2005 and 2006, there were a lot of good tag teams in Texas. And there was always this talk of, well, why doesn't anyone ever do a tag team tournament? And it would always fall apart. No one could ever get it done. So it was kind of like this, well, fuck you. I'm going to, we're going to get it done, right? We're going to do it. Um, and the weird thing is that, there hasn't been a tag decade since this one, so maybe it is this weird bugaboo that's fucking we talk impossible about, to pull we off. We talk about it a lot, um, but yeah, it just it's just not come to fruition, yeah. and it's also it's also hard to keep your storylines going when you have something sort of that exists as a specialty card that's focused on this yes. one thing, you know. Yeah. I, and I also think that largely we've had a lot of problems kind of keeping our tag teams together because people come and go, you know, unceremoniously, you know. I mean, when our last tag team champs were uh, Rachel Rose and uh, Thunder Rosa. Yeah. I believe they might even still kind of be our champs, technically. Yeah, we haven't stripped them. Yeah, we haven't stripped <laughs> They're probably the longest reigning champs at this point. You know what, folks? I think we're going <laughs> to announce it here. And this is going to be a great test to see if people are listening. Yeah. When By the time that we return... We will be vacating every title in our company, and I'm I'm just going to go ahead and throw yep. that out there. You can consider this this particular episode the end of all reigning championships. All championships are now vacated. Yep. 
I have no, what else do I say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This isn't mad, so it's gonna no, happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, we will. We will. We're excited. Yeah, to we're kind of. We're kind of dead set on this, and it's um, yeah. It, that's the official announcement, right? Yeah. Um. So very cool. Um. Yeah. Don't don't think that you're not going to see the people that held those belts, but should we, uh, it's going to be a big shakeup. Yeah, you're going to see them come back, but uh, yeah. it's going to be it's going to be kind of like a. a a crisis situation. Um, this is there anything that you want to say about uh, about how we intend to rehome some of these titles, or do we save that for another day? You, you know what? If they're listening to this podcast, they get the exclusive, right? Okay, let's Let, let's go into it. Okay, so I have I had the bright idea of vacating all titles because after a while, it just makes no sense to continue on with the trajectory that you have if you're that yeah. dormant for that long. And this is a special special situation. Um, we decided uh, I pitched the idea and I think Biss was fond of it that when we come back you're going to see uh, an, an inaugural like uh, return champion kind of thing where um, we take a lot of the people who have been involved in our championship scenes or held titles and there will be uh, eight random matches and at the heart of almost every match will be a title however the two people competing for these championships will not know what championship they are vying for, and they will only know what the championship is once they've won it. Yep, so, at the end of the match. Yeah, everything so. will be random and everything will be blind. But at the end of the, at the end of the match, they'll know what championship they won. They just won't know what championship they're fighting for. So there are going to be a lot of people kind of thrown in uh, to this picture. People who uh, you, you might wind up with some real wild card champions. And yeah really shake things up and I think it's going to be really exciting yeah I think it, it opens the door I, I would like to, to do as much surprises as possible um, we'll see what, what actually makes sense but yeah I think you're in for when we return you're in for a really <laughs> cool show with a lot of twists and turns yeah, um, in fact there's even, a, there's even a graphic out there for it uh, called The Long Walk yep. so anyway uh Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll be back uh, with another episode next week. That time, we'll cover Tag Cade. Tag Cade. Yeah. See you then.